Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Long time no podcast. I've been out of the picture for about, well, it's, I was out of the picture for a week out in the middle of nowhere on the my mom's side of the family's ranch where I don't even get cell service. And that was enjoyable. We were up there and then I we came back into civilization. That's when I published the last episode. And then I had my two-week annual training with my unit here in Utah. And so I spent a couple weeks out training, not in super austere conditions, but definitely not an admin annual training. Definitely we were out in the field. We did some good training, bringing the unit back into, after having been done doing the whole COVID thing and trying to uh, trying unsuccessfully to maintain combat effective by doing training over video conference. I don't recommend that, but we did the best with the constraints that we had at the time. And, uh, and we were, it was all about getting back into doing soldier stuff again. It was good training. I've got some good, good group of guys to work with in my unit. And so, uh, but, uh, but I didn't get any podcast stuff done. And then, I just had this last week, which was just trying to get back in the swing of things. So thanks for being patient since I've published the last episode, and here I am tonight. I'm just hanging out with my sweetheart here, and uh, I'm getting ready to talk to you about the Chisholms. So before I do that, i got to give a shout-out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. They produce a very, very good product top-of-the-line product, but also awesome customer service. USAKilts.com is a storefront for anything that you need that has to do with kilts or anything you'd wear with kilts or tons of other stuff that has to do with Scottish culture and heritage. But also go check them out on YouTube at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions, where they put out some great content, not just specifically about kilts, but there is a lot about kilts, but also about Scottish heritage and culture and history and all sorts of cool stuff there. So go check that out. All right. So why am I talking about the Chisholms? Well, maybe the reason why I'm going to talk about the Chisholms is interesting thing about the Chisholms number one. And that is I was raised very Western. And maybe there's some listening to this who either don't know what that even means or think it's stupid anyway, but it's just part of my culture. In fact, one of the first songs I ever remember learning as a little, little kid, my granddad would bounce me on his knee, pretending I was riding a horse. My granddad, this granddad, both my grandpas were cattlemen. And he, this particular, this is my mom's dad I'm talking about. And he would sing the old Chisholm Trail. It's one of the first songs I ever learned, bouncing on my granddad's knee, was the old Chisholm Trail. John Chisholm was a famous Texas rancher back in the mid-ish 1800s, and very famous, very famous person in the Western U.S. Western history, and specifically a big, huge deal down in Texas, but he's a name that everybody who comes from a Western heritage has heard, and we've all heard that song. So if you haven't come from a super Western background, you might not have ever heard that song before, but that the old Chisholm Trail was just something that we knew about growing up. And so that is, um, so John Chisholm would have been descended from, of course, Scottish Chisholms. Now I've never traced his actual line back, but that would be an interesting thing to do, wouldn't it? 
to chase, chase or, or trace his line back to Scotland, but specifically to the part of Scotland where the Chisholms were from that we're going to be talking about today. And it's not just one part, one um, part of Scotland, not just one region. They started in one place, ended up in another. And that actually leads me into another interesting thing about the Chisholms is how they started out versus where they became established, because in this, they are similar to other significant Scottish clans like the Frasers, like the Gordons, where their origins in Scotland, just their origins in Scotland, were down on the border, the low, lowland area and border country, specifically Roxburghshire. That's where we find the first Chisholms. And that was so if you were that, so we've talked a lot about border reavers in this podcast. So we talk about how the border was broken up into the West, Middle, and East March on both sides of the border. Both the English and the Scottish had the administrative regions broken down like that. And so Roxburghshire would probably have straddled the Middle and East March region of the Scottish border. So that's where they were originally established. But then through some advantageous marriages, and, and I, I'm not going to, I think if I go too much into the who was marrying who and all that stuff, if, if you don't have a context to plug that into, it might just get a little boring. So I'm just going to say for, through advantageous marriages, they obtained territory up in the highlands. And specifically, we're talking about Glen Affric and Strathglass, which Strathglass actually leads up into um, Glen Affric and that was the territory of the Chisholms that would become where they were known for because the Chisholms aren't known for being a border clan. When you read about border reavers and you're learning about all the famous border reaver families, you never learn about Chisholms. But as you study the history of the Highlands, especially the areas west of Inverness, you'll see such clans as the Chisholms who are really close neighbors to the Frasers of Lovett and also the Grants of Glen Morriston. So that's the part. So we're north of Loch Ness, the most, one of the most famous parts of Scotland, with the home to the monster and Castle Urquhart, Urquhart there. And so they're north of that and west of Inverness, trying to give you some kind of a ballpark about where their territory was in case you don't have a map in front of you. So that's where they become established through um, advantageous marriages. Now, let me develop that even a little bit farther, is that these advantageous marriages were con connect them into a lot of the other families in that area because of the family that these it was the Bissets. Let me just cut straight to it. It was the Bissets. The Bissett family, who was at one time very powerful in this part of Scotland and in Northern Ireland, the McDonald's gained territory in Northern Ireland by marrying into the Bissets. But uh, the Chisholms, then the Frasers, and also one of the sources, which I might want to point out a source that I was getting stuff out of real quick, because I usually start off with that. But the the source that I was reading said that also maybe the Forbes, the Forbes slash Forbes, I know probably at one time it was pronounced Forbes, but we're used to hearing it, at least in the United States, as Forbes, um, may have also been one of these clans that married into the Bissets and obtained territory in that area through that. And it's a little bit longer story than that, but so you have the Frasers and the Chisholms and maybe even 
maybe even the Mackenzies, who one origin story for them claimed descent from Gilioin of the Aird or the Ard, and of the Ard was a significant style for this family and the different families that married into the Bissets. And anyway, long story short, um, several of these families would be connected and have gained their territory in this area by marrying into this Bisset family. So that's how they got there, and that's how they tie in with several of the other clans. All right, now let me take just a second and go into a little bit more detail about why USA Kilts is awesome. Because they put out an awesome product. This summer, I have been hiking. And guess what my preferred item of clothing is to hike in? That's right, it's my kilt. I've got the McFarlane Hunting Tartan on my kilt. I've got my kilt belt buckle, which is actually a Welsh dragon because I still got to represent that other side of my family, which is actually blood-wise much more significant than as far as percentage of my ancestry, way more Welsh than Scottish. But so I got to I got to represent that a little bit, especially since it's even my last name. But got the belt buckle from USA Kilts too. So the kilt, the belt buckle, the uh, I got the hose, the you know what I'm outfitted and it's quality and I love it and uh, oh the sporing too. And that's what I love to hike in. And my wife thinks it's totally attractive. She thinks it's like the, the most attractive thing I could possibly put on. <laughs> she's she's over there laughing at me but um it's good they make a superior product and my buying experience from them was very pleasant as far as their customer service was concerned i thought they went the extra mile for customer service so i i recommend them to you without any reservation whatsoever and if i had reservation they wouldn't be the sponsor i guess so but they they they, they really are a good they really do put out a good product so go check them out at usakilts.com and also go check out their youtube channel usa kilts and celtic traditions they've got just to just to give you a, like a small sample of some of the titles of some of their more recent material which i have dabbled in a little bit and this kind of shows you the the breadth of their content that they put out there so they go into stuff about seal skin sporins which some people were wondering about the legality and is it illegal is it legal to hunt seals and use your skin from sporins and all this stuff and they go into that which Rocky gives a great explanation of, well, at one time it was legal and it wasn't legal and it was. And anyway, they've got another video about Boudicca. So they're casting the net a little bit broader here when it comes to history, expanding beyond Scotland, but still keeping it Celtic and telling you about Boudicca, who back in the early Roman time of occupying Britain, uh, led an, up, uh, an uprising against the Romans, which ended catastrophically for the the, the the rebels the or or you might say the patriots always depends on what side you're standing on but um but in the meantime up until it ended catastrophically they actually had an amazing amount of success anyway go go there and check out their their video on Boudicca. and then also they, they, for for just entertainment sakes they've got a video called tartans and fictional characters and I haven't watched this one, but it's got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and kilts on it. And like, how did that go? So anyway, so they've got some historical stuff. They've got some kind of just for fun stuff and some actual practical stuff for people who are getting into wearing kilts and traditional Scottish clothing and how that all works. So go check them out, their YouTube channel. Now, um, on the on the account of the Chisholms, 
back into our subject here. Another couple interesting things about the Chisholms is just some just some things that you might want to know, especially if you have any connection to the Chisholms. And as in Gaelic, their name is Clan Shissel. And I and I don't know. I linguistically I can't dive into this like I do in some things. Is Shissel is that just how it sounds in Gaelic, or is there a more of a story behind why it's Shissel? Why is there's no M on the end? Anyway, I don't know. I don't know all that stuff linguistically, but I know another thing about the name of the clan, and that's specifically that some of the chiefs that you see there in their line of chiefs, which you can see, you can see this line on the Wikipedia article for them, or you can see see this um, as you read their history, and I'm going to save the source till the end where I'm getting a lot of my information so backwards than I usually do it, but Wyland or Wayland, it's, it's spelled differently in there, and I don't know if it all has the same pronunciation, but that was a, a name that several other chiefs had, which is interesting because no other chiefs in Scotland, in all my researching about Scottish clans, none of them have, like, that's a very peculiar name, Wyland or Wayland. And it goes back to very early times with the Chisholms. And it's just, it's not only unique in Scotland generally, but that specific part of Scotland. I've never learned about any other Scottish clans, especially not any in that region, who are using that as a name. So that it makes them very peculiar in that respect. So there's there's another thing about them. And then I think to, to wind it up, the thing that about the Chisholms is something that kind of, piques my curiosity about this clan is just the, I don't know if you've if you've been listening to this clan for a long time you've heard me talk about under underrated clans you know there's certain clans that there's gobs of information on them and there's tons of it's really easy to find historical or not historical but scholarly sources on them and not so much for the Chisholms they just, they kind of fly under the radar. There was a couple notable raids that they did. They did a raid um, in the, let's see, it was, they did a raid in 1498. And this chief that led this raid on, at least as far as the Chisholms were concerned, there were some other people that they were involved with. His name is Wyland. So this is 1498 and they raided the Roses of Kilrock, which I've done a whole episode on them. The Chisholms raided them and made off with a bunch of livestock, cows, horses, sheep, swine, everything. I think in the in the, the source that I'm going to share with you at the end, the, it even mentions hens and geese. Like they're, they're the fowl that they're using for for meat or eggs or whatever they're using things for. I mean they they really went to clean house on the roses. So that's kind of uh, <laughs> that's a major raid that they led, which the Roses then sued for that, and that took a legal course on it and actually won that legal case, and the Chisholms had to cough up some money. And and then in 1513, they are coming back from the Battle of Flodden, which was, once again, I'll use the word catastrophic for the Scots against the English, where a lot of, a lot of Scottish chiefs and some of the, their, their, 
highest echelon of the clan died in that battle. A lot of clans that happened to. But you have the Chisholms, the McDonald's of Glengarry, and the McDonald's of Loch Alsh, with their chiefs, who survived somehow, all returning back to the North Country where they're from, and they stop and take, attack and take Urquhart Castle. <coughs> Excuse me. And some sources, I'm just going to quote straight from the Wikipedia article here, some sources say that McDonald's occupied the castle for three years despite the efforts of Clan Grant to dislodge this group. Anyway, the Chisholms are part of that deal. But aside from that, and there's, there's some stuff, there's some history about the Civil War and Jacobite Risings and stuff, but it just doesn't seem like the Chisholms as a clan pop up in the history so much. And this this episode, and I, and I hope I'm not disappointing people who wanted to hear an exhaustive history of the Chisholms, but that's never what these episodes are all about. It's just a few highlights, a few things I think are interesting about them. But they, I think that's the thing I'll wrap up on is they just kind of seem like they're, they kind of fly under the radar a little bit. You don't, yeah, there's a couple of things that they got involved in and that you hear about, but, but they, uh, they, in that, in that way, they kind of remind me of the McNaughton's and there are probably a lot of different clans. I could mention that really, you know, the big, huge clans, um, they get a lot of the attention, uh, obviously Campbell's McDonald's, I don't know, you go down the list of uh, McKenzie's, um, Mackay's, that, that genealogical history, the Earldom of Sutherland, really did a lot to help us understand not just the Earldom of Sutherland and the Gordons who occupied that Earldom, but a lot of the clans around that area. And and I wonder, because the Chisholms are close to the area that a lot of that, that particular source covers, I wonder if you went back looking specifically for the Chisholms there, if you'd be able to find them. But I don't know that. That was just a thought I just barely had. But talking about not being a big clan, maybe that's a little bonus interesting thing I'll throw in here at the end, is that in general wage report on the, the Highland clans in 1724, I did a whole episode on that a while back too, um, where he gives the the strength via numbers of fighting men that different clans and clan chiefs could bring to a battlefield, and the Chisholm's list at 150 men that the chief could bring to the battlefield, which is not, that's not a lot of guys. In fact, at the, um, at the Battle of Culloden, Roderick Olg Chisholm showed up commanding 80 men from the clan. So 150 compared to some of the other big clans, that's, that's a really small amount, but you know what? I can't call 150 dudes up to a battle right now, so they're doing better than me. So there you have it. There's a few of the interesting things that I think are of noteworthy about the Chisholms. Um, their, their name in Gaelic, a uh, unique name that several other chiefs had, um, how they came to be moved from the north, the south of Scotland into the north of Scotland, and how that, that, very those very marriages that tied them in and gave them territory up there connected them to other major clans in the area like the Frasers. Um, one thing I do want to distinguish on that note, we read about the Canmore dynasty kings of Scotland or kings of Scots that in the 1100s were big huge fans of because Murray was such a problem for these this dynasty. 
that they and there were other regions of Scotland that were true for this too that they would take Norman Norman warlords who were loyal to them they knew they were loyal and they would put them in these problem spots and Murray would cover some of this area that near at least where we're talking about even though I don't know if Glen Affric and Strathglass were technically part of that kingdom but it's right part of Scotland um, they were not part of that movement so I just want to distinguish that these this positioning of Norman warlords in strategic parts of Scotland that gave the Kenmore kings a headache to kind of give them a loyal base of support in those areas they they were the Chisholm's the Frasers they were later than that the clans that would be considered in that would be like the Murrays and Sutherlands the descendants of Freskin de, um, de Moravia that would be part of that the Innises the Roses of Kilrock the um, those clans were part of that movement. In the southwest, it would have been the Bruces and Balliols. Anyway, uh, possibly the Stuarts in the upper, well, lower, because I think when you say upper or lower, you're going lower is downstream. The Stuarts in the lower part of the Clyde, the Firth of Clyde. Anyway, so um, they were, just want to distinguish that. They weren't part of that movement. They were later, and it was through marriage. And it wasn't part of that strategic placement of clans. So there's some interesting things about the Chisholms. Go ahead and if you don't know the song, The Old Chisholm Trail, go ahead and, and look that song up. And that will key you into a significant cultural influence of my childhood. Here's one thing I want to throw out there for you. And, you know, I'm usually right now asking you to share this podcast with other people and and reach out and um like, you know, like give me some feedback via the Scottish clans at gmail.com or on Podbean or message me on Facebook. One of those things. And I want you to do all that stuff, but that's not what I'm, I'm talking about right now. What I would like you to do is I'm just curious about clans that we're interested in that we don't have a personal connection in. So in the notes to this show, that's my invitation to you. Post a clan that you think is interesting that you don't have any connection to. There you have it. That's my challenge. Because everybody wants to know about their ancestors, and I get it. And I'm that, that's the foundation of my whole effort here. This whole thing for me got started by learning about my ancestors. Yep, all day long. But in this process of doing this and studying about Scottish clans generally, I learned about all these different clans, and I don't necessarily have any personal connection to them, at least nothing recent. The McFarlands, yes, the Brodies, the Lusks, I, I see those names in my family tree, but the, I don't have any Chisholms that I know of back there. Maybe I do. Maybe I need to really go back and look, but not that I know of right now. So what clan are you interested in that you don't have any family connection to that you know about? Go ahead and post that in the comments. And the source for this episode, to tack it right, right on the end, was, let me let me uh, make sure I don't mess it up here, History of the Chisholms by Alexander McKenzie, in, published in 1890. So there you have it. And you can find that if you just type that in as a, as a Google search and then tag PDF on the end of the search. It, it It's super easy to find. So that's what I used. It... Uh, Good luck reading. It's a little dry reading. It's a little hard to follow sometimes. Like, okay, who is he talking about again? But 
if you really want to dive into the Chisholms, that's the best thing I think that's out there into the most detail. So there you have it. There's my episode on the Chisholms. Hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, Marshan Lev and Drasta.